This is the College Football Dogs Podcast Show with your hosts, Matt Redding, Tony Thomas, and Dominic Crisetto. discovered his microphone was muted it happens to the best of us shout out to our well that's embarrassing because i'm not even the best so uh, (laughs) welcome inside everybody to the college football dogs podcast i'm your host matt redding with me as always the great tony thomas and former bishop sycamore high school legend dominic crescetto dominic how you doing my friend i'm doing great guys thanks for the uh, illustrious introduction there you're quite welcome tony how you doing it's good to see you again Doing good, guys. Appreciate you having me here. Yes, sir. Always a pleasure. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight, guys. So let's just jump right into it. But first, we do have a quick word from our friends over at the Farmer's Dog. Right here. I'll always take care of you. tearjerker <laughs> what do they have to write that for tony i do you just laugh at that good tony i don't see enough tears on your face I think, no it's it's, I think, it's I think we need to run that again just to really get the emotions going can we let's run that ad one more time if you I don't was, always take care of you <laughs> i was thinking about my dog and i'm trying not to uh to get emotional about it so i'm trying to fight it off it's all good yes all right so this is uh, our favorite, one of our favorite segments of the show that we call the Mailbag by the Farmer's Dog, uh, with a couple of messages from fans just like. For some reason, I thought that was a mailman getting mail out of a box, like stealing it back or something i don't know um so yes all right so to our producer colin uh who's our first caller what do we got in our mailbag my name is mike i'm calling from jackson tennessee i wanted to thank you for taking my call my question for the show is um if a florida state does not make it to the college football champion do they fire mike norvell and do we get to to, to bring home Dion sanders again my what okay 
so I guess the uh, the hype around Florida State is much farther and wider than anticipated. People in Jackson, Tennessee, are freaking out. Um, Sounds like they, gentlemen, are they a contender? First of all, are we all in agreement? This is a very good year for them. Uh, yes, I, I, would, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, I mean, that first game against LSU on Labor Day weekend is going to be a top 10 matchup. So, I mean, right out the gate, uh, you know. Okay. I So, Nick. let me go ahead, Dominic. Oh, I was going to say, Matt, in reference to my previous appearance on the podcast, you know that I took a flyer on Florida State appearing in – the college football playoff. So, yeah, I think it could be a year for them. I'll, I'll stick with that pick. Uh, I think the hype is real. Yes, the uh, Jordan Travis is probably a lock for at least day two of the NFL draft if everything goes well. But I want to remind you guys, uh, I think it was 2007, the Philadelphia Eagles had the dream team, signed a bunch of pro bowlers and all-stars and couldn't be beat, and they fell flat on their face. So I think, uh, I think Mike is thinking like – does the hype break Florida State down? And if they go like seven and five or eight and four just because they get in their own heads or in their own way, do you think they would fire him uh, if they didn't make the playoff? Is this a make or break year for Coach Norvell with all the talent around him? Ooh, I wouldn't say they fire him if, if they still have a, a respectable showing, maybe. <laughs> how many, how uh, many, what's respectable? How many wins keeps him or keeps man. the seat cold? I mean, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I would say eight is definitely a, a job keeper. I wouldn't yep. think. I would agree. I wouldn't think you're firing a coach at eight wins. Uh, you know, the ACC is not the most powerful, so eight wins might not be great, but I think that number keeps his job. Hmm. Don't think we'd fire Coach Ray. Let me tell you about Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to well, answer... It's not any program, but that's this specific team right now. I right. Um, Mike, to, um, Tony, do you have anything to add to that? The, the Bo Pelini effect, if you win nine games, you still get fired. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, but uh, I, I agree with Dominic. I think eight wins uh, and the, the seat remains cold if he, if he gets eight wins. I mean, it's, uh, I, again, I don't have to, I'm like, I don't have the schedule in front of me either. But I mean, week one, you know, if, if they had to beat LSU, you know, LSU uh, is number five in the coaches' poll to start. And, you know, they could use that as, as momentum and carry them through the season. I mean, yeah, you, know, I, you can say so. Yeah, so, so Mike, to answer your question, uh, I think – I do think Florida State's going to make some noise this year. If they don't make the playoff, it's definitely locked for 10 wins. Um, if Mike does leave, I do think Deion Sanders is the first phone call. And I, yes, think, uh, I think he was banking on Florida State having an opening last year before they went off. Right. So, but yeah, but thanks for the call, Mike. We appreciate it. Um, go Knowles or whatever it is y'all say. Uh, Colin, <laughs> Colin, who do we got next? Hi, this is David from Delaware. I have a two-part question. Uh, the first part is, uh, do you see University of Miami joining the Big Ten? And secondly, if in fact uh, the University of Miami joins the Big Ten and along with the latest additions of uh, Oregon and Washington, of course, USC and UCLA joining as well, does it actually look like the Big Ten is going to uh, surpass the SEC in football supremacy? 
in the country. Tony, I'm going to let you answer that one first if you want to go for it. Uh, does Miami eventually join the Big Ten? Well, they do want a Florida school. The Big Ten does want to get down there somehow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, judging by what's happened the last couple of weeks, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's yep. not about geography at all. It's about it's about dollars and cents. So, uh, I mean, that, that's a very real possibility. Uh, will the Big Ten overtake the SEC in football dominance? I mean, I mean that's that that's hard to say, man. I mean, uh, at the SEC's track record with winning national championships. I mean. You, I mean, but that's why we play the games, right? You got to you right. got to play and win them on the field. So, uh, Chris says Clemson and FSU to the Big Ten. I disagree, good sir. I think they both want to join the SEC. Um, I think the Big Ten wants them, and I do think if Florida State winds up saying no, Miami will be next in their sights. The ACC is going to die real soon, guys. I never thought I would say that um, anytime soon, but wow, what a what a day and age in college football. Well, we did. We so, didn't say that about the Pac-12 either, and now that's true. Where they're at, so that's true. Yeah, you're right. Dominic, anything. Your, your thoughts, uh, Miami joining the Big Ten? Yeah or nay? Oh, I mean, I'm kind of with Tony. Where, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Tony. Where I said it doesn't make any sense, but it's like we just said that it doesn't matter anymore. It's all about markets and media deals. So, yeah. um, I still, I don't want to see it. Um, I would rather see them in the SEC if they're going to go to some different conference. Um, but yeah, I mean, if the big 10 invites them, yeah, I do think they're gone. Um, because I, I do think that, you know, FSU is already kind of looking for their way out with all kinds of backdoor deals and doing it differently than anyone's ever done it before. I'm sure Miami would follow suit or figure out another way to do it. Um, and then if they take over sec dominance of college football, I mean, I think it's not immediate, um, cause that travel is going to be rough on those players. They say football is fine, but yeah, that, that cross-country travel, I think it's going to take some time where SEC is still very regionalized. So they're going to have that upper hand for that aspect. But That's a good point. It's possible. Very good point. Yeah. That's true. And adding schools to your conference does not win you championships. So if the Big Ten nope. wants to uh, rip it away from the SEC as the best conference, let's see you win eight in a row, bro. Um, I do think that um, I do think that travel is going to hurt them, which is why I think you will see more Big Ten schools uh, get at it, but it won't be my- – down south anytime soon i'll get more on that later uh but right now we're going to move on to the pick six uh presented by icy breeze and our friend De- that can be used anywhere it blew my mind where were you several years ago when i was playing uh select baseball man in the scorching heat in texas tell us how it works it's a true portable air conditioner. here's the big deal so in florida south texas humidity uh-huh. you, you you can't make a, a swamp cooler work there's already moisture in the air right. this is a true air conditioner it actually pulls the moisture out of the air so this thing you can run it off a battery mm-hmm. you can run it off a 12 volt cord off a 110 but this is what makes it unique how long does that battery last then? six and a half hours six on a single and charge a half Hours. The great thing about it is, is you can use them indoors, outdoors. You can put it right in the tent with you. The idea is, is to be extremely portable. This thing is light. It is light. You know, you I can, love the colors, by the way. It works perfect for the new uh, yeah. CU partnership. That's right. Can you tell me about not just the innovation, but why? A lot of your athletes, the people that like the U.S. Open, Australian mm-hmm. Open, the mm-hmm. Olympics, the athletes that are using these, it, get, it, it helps them get that one more rep. Mm-hmm. You're just dragging. You got the catcher back there just wore out. Yeah. It's, it's, to me, it's revolutionary because not only of the how it works, 
but the price point are two hundred eighty nine dollars. Be sure to check out the chat. We've got a promo code for y'all to use to get a discount off your Icy Breeze cooler. And also leave us a comment while you're down there of future topics you'd like to see us hit on in the pick six. This segment right here, we're all going to go around. We've each picked two topics. Do the math yourselves, two, four, six, pick six, football analogy. Woo um, just what's on our mind and being the Big Ten special, we uh, we tried to theme it a little bit towards that region. So I'm going to start with Tony. What you got for us first, brother? Man, I'm going to go with uh, Wisconsin football, the Badgers. Uh, Luke Fickle comes in as the new head coach, uh, and he brings Phil Longo with him from North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> like Wisconsin, uh, for years, as everybody knows, is a ground and pound, run it down your throat kind of team. Not anymore. Uh, the, the forward pass has been around since the first decade of the 20th century, just not in Madison, Wisconsin. So, uh, but this is going to be a different type of uh, offense that, that fans will see in, in Madison. And I mean, they're going to be, th- I mean, Phil Longo is an air raid disciple. They're going to be throwing that ball all over the yard. So it's going to be a, f- a totally different scheme than what uh, fans are used to over there. So looking forward to seeing that uh, play out on Saturdays. Yeah, I bet they're excited. Um, I'm surprised Phil Longo is not a head coach yet. Like when they when they announced the news, I was like, he's still a cord. He's in coordinator status. He was at uh, he was at Ole Miss uh, for a couple of years, and then he went to North Carolina where he coached uh, Sam Howell and uh, Drake May. Yep. And they do, they just lit it up over there. Um, so they also have Tanner Mordecai, who's a transfer from SMU, uh, comes from a spread offense uh, under Rhett Lashley. Rhett Lashley was a Gus Malzahn uh, this, uh, coaching tree. Uh, Member, so um, you know, uh, Mordecai, uh, in two years at SMU, threw for over 7,000 yards and 72 touchdowns. So he's the you know, just he can step right in and run that offense with no problem. Uh, they still have Braylon Allen who can run the ball at 6'2, 235 pounds. I'm, I mean, he's like Eric Dickerson size. I mean, yeah, just running downhill, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard to stop. Uh, they've got Two of their uh, wide receivers back from last year. They've got some good transfers coming in. It's going to be a it's going to be a different team on offense. On defense, they've got eight starters returning. Uh, Luke Fickle brings Mike Trussell with him from Cincinnati to run the defense, and uh, their their path to the Big Ten West title is not as uh, fraught with peril as it as it could be. Uh, their tough, their two toughest games on their schedule, Iowa and Ohio State, are both. They both have to come to Camp Randall Stadium. So uh, look for the look for everybody to be jumping around on that one because that's that's going to be some good games right there. Oh yeah, oh, I see that reference there. <laughs> yes. Man, hey, a little trivia for you, Tony. Um, so Phil Longo's last year in the ACC. Uh, where do you think his passer rating as an offensive coordinator? Where is offense sat nationally? Or in the ACC, excuse me. Is this a trick question? Because out of that gonna be as high as everybody thinks. Is that what you is that what you're getting at? I don't know. Just take a guess. Like out of all the teams in the ACC, where did um, excuse me, where did North Carolina rank in passing yards? Uh, first. First, you're correct. Yes. Where do they rank in rushing yards? Uh, probably last. No. 
first actually. Really? Okay. Yes, there you go. First so. in the ACC. And where do you think they sat in points per game? Second. Close. They were third. But all of that head and shoulders above where Wisconsin was. So the Badgers right. are definitely a team to watch this year. Absolutely. Wisconsin's um, offense was in the was in the bottom quarter of the FBS in every offensive category. So this will be a uh, a, a huge upgrade for their offense, and so fans are going to be excited. Uh, I can't wait for the season to start. So yes, sir, absolutely. Um, Dominic, what do you have for us on the pick six, good sir? Yeah, well, just to follow up on Tony's thing real quick, I actually did not realize that Fickle had Big Ten coaching experience as well before. So that's another factor that you could chalk up to he Wisconsin. Was, uh, having... He was interim coach somewhere. He was um, like, yeah, he was a coordinator at um, Ohio State. Ohio State, that's it. Yes. Yep. yep. So it's not like the Big Ten's going to be unfamiliar to him. So that's another thing right. in the pocket of Wisconsin fans as they do that. And then after I give that kind of props, I'm going to go the total opposite direction and say Iowa's my pick to actually win the Big Ten West. Uh, so to go completely against Tony. Iowa? Monday, yeah, Iowa. Shockingly the punt, enough. The, the punt champions, Iowa? Yeah, the punt champions, but also the defensive champions, top 20 scoring defense the last nine seasons. So it's not just a recency bias here. They've been doing it for a long period of time, a record of 43 and 18 over those five seasons as well. They avoid both Michigan and Ohio State on their schedule this year, wow. which kind of similar to what Tony was saying. Wisconsin doesn't have the toughest path either, but Iowa's pass off obviously better by avoiding both of those two teams. Uh, and special teams, no worse than number 22 over the last six seasons. So defense, special teams, strong, consistent. Where were they lacking? Offensive side of the ball. That's yep. where they brought in Cade McNamara from Michigan in the transfer portal, doing 15 and six as a starter. And, you know, just to say a quarterback doesn't necessarily change the team to just be a champion right away, but they also have the strong O line to go with it. They've put 18 offensive linemen into the NFL since Kirk Ferentz has been there. They've also got a strong running back coming back after a strong season from Caleb Johnson, who had a 200 plus yard game plus two other 100-yard performances, and he wasn't even the full-time starter all season. I think McNamara really rounds out this team and makes them a very, very real threat to win the West in the Big Ten. Correct me, Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. They got that tied in for Michigan too, right, Eric All? You followed Cade, right? Yes, I, I believe so. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So we're seeing a lot more of that these days too. <laughs> I mean, he picked a good school. Uh, Iowa is, I mean, you can make the argument they've been tied in you um, for NFL prospects over the last few years. George Kittle coming from there, um, TJ Hawkinson. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's pretty bold. I want, okay. What's your win loss uh, prediction record right now? Oh, Tom? man. Give it to us on, on air. <laughs> Some of recording of it. I honestly didn't have that down in front of me. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think they could I think they could probably you know the, the winner in the east is gonna probably only gonna be able to lose one game, right? With how strong the east is. So the west, oh I'll give a little bit more leeway there and say maybe a two loss team could still make it out of there. I mean it's probably not great, but it's possible. Um so I, I mean, Purdue won it with four losses, right? 
Yeah, exactly. This it's always been the East is stronger than the West. I, I still think that's going to be ultimately, no matter who comes out of the East and who comes out of the West, the East is going to be favored. Whoever gets there to the end. Um, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll say what's. I mean, uh, I'll say Iowa only only has one loss going in the Big Ten championship. I'll just wow, go out on the limb. Yeah, I didn't realize last year that going into the last week of the season, Iowa had a chance to to win the the division title. As poorly as they played on offense, they were actually in it right up to the last week. Yep. It's yeah, enough. yeah D- D- defense win championships. They had the most interceptions over this same amount of time. So, I mean, it, if they could just round out that offense, it's the only piece that's really missing. I, it's stuff like what you were saying, Tony, that um, Iowa still had a chance to win. it. It's stuff like that that makes all the conference expansion haters yes. look at uh, USC and UCLA joining and they're like, you know, maybe right. this isn't that bad. Maybe we'll Good take point. a couple more. So, and Dominic, um, if you look over that same time period, you talked about the defense and everything. Uh, they also ran back an interception for a touchdown at least once every year for that during that time span, I believe. If you look oh, go back and look that up, so <laughs> I'd be the only team that's done that. Right. I've um. So my first pick, gentlemen. Um, I'm still perplexed about the Harbaugh suspension. He's uh he's sitting out the first four games of the season over a cheeseburger, <laughs> a cheeseburger that he Hopefully bought in good... 2020. I'm, oh no no here's the thing, the burger itself I think it came from a restaurant called Little Brown Jug or Little Brown Bag or something like I I don't know apparently it's like a really good burger joint out there in Ann Arbor, so I guess it was worth it for that kind of a burger I don't know but my questions are like how did the NCAA even find out? Do they have spies in every restaurant in a college town just sitting at a table? Like the trench coat and the hat, just like, oh, he better not pull that credit card out. Oh, he did it. Got him. Like, I, it just also, this was 2020. Okay. It was weird. I mean, Gus Malzahn got fired for winning six games. Like, like, it was a weird year. Come on. Like, no one knew what the rules were. It's a burger. Athletes make $2 million and you're going to penalize this guy over four bucks. Like, give me a break. Everything yep. from how they found out to how they've handled it. I credit Harbaugh for not playing along. Like every time they said like, Hey, what about this? What about that? He was like, I don't know. I've got a team to go coach. So, you know, can we hurry this up? Like I do. I hate this for Michigan though, because the thing about Jim Harbaugh is you never know what his next move is going to be. He's on every NFL watch list. As soon as the season ends, regardless of how well it went. I mean, even when he was doing bad at Michigan, every NFL team wanted him to come back. But you have to remember when he left San Francisco um, and that and that mess with Trent Balk, the GM, that was purely a, a grudge thing. Something that happened in the offices just left a bad taste in his mouth. And so he bolted for his alma mater. This, I hate it for Michigan because like, who's to say this isn't the thing that leaves a bad taste in his mouth yep. of college athletics. And he's gone for real this time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just the whole thing screwed up. The NCAA should have just left it alone. Tennessee got caught, you know, replacing cheeseburgers with actual money, and they got a slap on the wrist. I would, you know, fair. The coach isn't there anymore, but still, like, come on. For, and I know it's four games against Candy Cane College and, you know, Mashed Potato University, but that's four games without your guy. I just – Watch out for cheeseburger. The, watch out for the Pirates ECU game one, though. I Almost took out NC State to start the season last year. Not that NC State and Michigan are equal. They're not, I, but. I bet they're super glad they're playing ECU instead of NC State, though. Um, True. Hey, Michigan fans, my background's all for you, too, by the way, just so you. 
There it is. All right. We're going to move right along. And Dominic, since you open your mouth, you get to go next again. Let's go to pick, bro. Well, sticking with the Michigan hate here, uh, we're going to talk about Penn State. Uh, so we're really going to say if they're overhyped or properly hyped, I'm going to go ahead and jump on the train that they're kind of properly hyped. I'm sure that's like a totally made up saying that I'm, I'm using no, here now. No, you know what? It is. It's an official saying now right here on the College Football Dogs podcast. There we go. Properly, Mark it down. Proper hype. There we go. So a lot of people think that their team has improved and an improved team has a 42 and 19 overall record over the last five seasons. I think that's going to bold pretty well for them. Obviously, their um, Achilles heel has been Michigan and, and Ohio State, both specifically last year, but even most of the years before that. So they are going to have to jump over that obstacle. Um, but before last season, they suffered a total of five losses, uh, a total of 21 points in all five losses. So even though their record before last year wasn't as amazing, they had some really close fought battles. They've got a lot of those guys still on the team returning as veteran leadership. Um, Drew Lars going to be their starter in all likelihood. Although I did look it up and officially Franklin is not saying that just yet. So we may have someone on who's going to tell us more about that in is the future. It, but is it Aller or Aller? I think it's Alar. Alar. Okay. Alar, like That's alarm good. without the M, right? Alar. What? Big, biggest thing here is this kid was a true freshman, went 4 0 in the games he played, but the, Stat that sticks out to me the most is because he's unproven, right? His four right. games isn't a large enough size sample, but he's 6'5, 230 pounds. He can make just about every distance throw that's needed. Is he going to have the touch he needs on this shorter stuff? You know, again, he's going to have some growing pains. It's just what's going to happen. You know, the Big Ten is a talented football conference. So there are going to be defenses that can confuse him from time to time as he still develops as a quarterback. But I think with him on your roster, a talented laden roster, I mean, uh, they've got a very strong offensive line, one of the strongest in the Big Ten for sure. And, uh, you know, a guy who came back to play this year after NFL had a lot of interest in him. So I think they're just – they're going to be ready. I think, uh, a large, like I said, maybe some bumps along the way, but I think he's going to be – a, a very good quarterback and he's going to round into that form certainly by the end of the season so six foot five 200 and what pounds 30 30 he's like okay and roethlisberger size he's exactly he's he's a sophomore in college and he's already nfl size i mean he's he's got the tools let's see if he's got the talent to really go with they him. have nick singleton back too correct that's correct. Yeah, they got their two top running backs back. So I'm at, man, if I get one more Penn State talk and no one mentions my man, Olu Fashanu, second team, all American, future NFL first round. Like, where's Colin when I need him? Um <laughs> no, they're gonna be they're gonna be stacked. Um, and apparently I learned today that um Aller stands for all you're gonna be compared me to Cam Newton when you see me on the screen. Um that's huge. <laughs> um, He's okay. Huge. Perfect, perfect. Like that. Uh, Tony, what's your other pick six, brother? I'm going to go with the Big Ten coaches hot seat. And the two coaches I have uh, right now will be Tom Allen at Indiana. I mean, he's been there seven years. He has a 30 and 40 record. Has only had two winning seasons since 2016. And one of those was the COVID year where they went six and two. Uh 
But a better question would be, what is the expectations at Indiana? I mean, because Indiana is a basketball school. So, you know, is, uh, are people calling for his head, you know, or are they just waiting for football, uh, basketball season to start? So, but. Uh, That's a good question. I think like school, I mean, you could measure the success at Kentucky. Um, I think pressure might be on the other basketball schools. You can throw Duke in there as well. Right. Uh, with all the success Mike Elko's done. There might be some pressure turning up on basketball schools to maybe start maybe doing a little more than basketball. Yeah. Um, but I mean, maybe, I mean, it could, it could be the opposite. People could be just chilling in Indiana. Um, right. Right. Tom, his name pops up on every watch list in college when there's a, when there's a school opening. Hmm. And I, I don't get it. Like it's always at the very bottom, granted, right. but it's always there. Like he could get fired at Indiana and he'd be like on the list of coaches to replace himself. He got like, Michael Penix Jr. to come to Indiana. Yeah. So I mean, that's, that's you know, he 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 threw in every he he threw everything but the kitchen sink at that kid and got him to come to Indiana. So well, we're, uh, so the man man can recruit. We yes, can learn yes, that. Can. So my other coach else? is uh Greg Schiano at Rutgers. Uh, three years at the helm, 12 and 22. Uh, three consecutive losing seasons. Uh, his seat is in Fuego, in my opinion. So, um, well, what are the expectations in Rutgers? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, who, who can, who can yeah. say with, with, that, with certainty, but <laughs> I mean, you know, th uh, three straight losing seasons. I mean, you know, it's, you know, he needs to, for him to keep his job one more year, he, it would definitely have to be, you know, seven or eight wins in a bowl game, in my opinion. So yeah. if that doesn't happen, then he, you know, surely he would be, you know, uh, on the hot seat and uh, look at, and Rutgers looking for a, another coach. So, so Rutgers' fun. position in the Big Ten is don't kick us out. Don't kick us out. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, no, they need him. They're like the Vanderbilt of the Big Ten, right? They need him for the academic support or whatever. There you go. Yep. Don't be an athlete. Be an athletic supporter. There you go. <laughs> fun, fun. Greg Schiano story. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if y'all remember the year that was 2016, and uh, UT's coaching search after Butch Jones got fired. But uh, so I went to school at Bryan College, and I lived in Nashville. It's about a two and a half hour drive. So. This was the final day of UT's coaching search. Um, I was putting gas in my car and I looked at my phone and it said Greg Schiano hired as University of Tennessee's head football coach. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. They got to hire. I'll read about it when I get back to school. Put the gas pump down, got my car, made the drive. I got to campus and I got out. I unpacked and I was like, huh, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go read up on that new coach that just hired. I, I didn't really get a chance to see what all he's done. I pulled it up. And the first thing I see, Greg Shiano fired as the University of Tennessee. Said, <laughs> I was like, what? You just hired him. Yep. He had a he had a cheeseburger. You can't have that. You, know? <laughs> you can't do it. It wasn't cheeseburger in paradise. That's for sure. So Nope. My goodness. <laughs> Man, all right. So I'm going to hit on my other one real quick. Um, Oh, hey, no Mel Tucker on your hot seat. What? You know, I just I had to put it out there. I know he's he's got one of those those contracts. It's got like those it's like Jimbo he's got Fisher the Jimbo got Fisher a huge deal. payout, yeah. you know, and 
you know, schools can talk all they want to, but I mean, that's, that's a big chunk of change right there to get rid of somebody, not to, to pay them, not to coach. So uh, multi-million dollars not to do your job. I mean, come on now. So yeah. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to hit on mine real quick. Um, we'll, we'll get some Mel Tucker next year though. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hit on mine real quick though. Um, uh, we got to talk about expansion. I mean, there's just no way to avoid the subject now, um, especially what? with the, <laughs> right, especially with the recent news that Oregon and Washington are joining their West Coast brethren for the Big Ten. Um, if I understand from what I'm hearing, if I understand this correctly, that move was opposed by USC. We'll probably hear more about that later when Hunter comes on. But um, they've got some competition now out west to sort of keep them at home. And for now, it looks like that the Big Ten is going to stop at 18. Do they change their name? Maybe. Um, I think they want to go to Big 20. And, you know, that question we got from that one caller earlier about Miami joining, that that ties right into that because they could dip down into the Florida markets. I think that's where they want to go. They're looking at Florida State. Miami's in that conversation. I think those four West Coast teams that are with them right now, they're going to start complaining about the travel, and sooner or later you'll see another former Pac-12 team like um, Oregon State. State. Yeah, yep. future Pac-12 <laughs> Final Pac-12 champion, Oregon State. Um, I think you'll see another team like them join, um, and we'll have the Big 20, which I said earlier in the phone call, like, you know, conference expansion's a mess, and it's great at the same time, but it doesn't equate to championships. So if this is just a power move to catch up to the SEC, you know, good luck. I agree uh, we'll with you. The travel, the travel 20, you know, 2,000 miles to, to play a, a game, I mean, that's, that's going to be brutal. Every week, yeah. I mean, that's going to be just absolutely brutal. And so, and I get that you know TV deals are important, but you got to like look at UCLA and USC and all these schools that started, and you just got to think, really, you're going to do that to your student athletes in the name of money? Not going to wait and yep. see what the Pac-12 can come like, you know? I don't know. The, the, whole the money twenty. That's yeah, the, that's the new 20, name. The money twenty. <clears throat> I like it. I like that. <laughs> um, so, Dominic, do you think they're going to add any more anytime soon? Um, any guesses, or do you think they're done for the next couple of years? Uh, no, I don't think they're done for the next couple of years. I think it's just a matter of time. Uh, it, how fast can things get done before football season starts? Because once football season starts, it'll probably be put on the back burner. But, I, you know, it's not impossible in the next two weeks to see some more movement, I think. Yeah, um, and that's a good point, Chris. Um, Coach Drinkowitz took um, – he took conference expansion behind the woodshed. Uh, so, y'all, if you get a chance, go look it up, what he said. I think he um, had some really good stuff to say. And he's right, you know, expansion – there's a lot of dead rivalries that'll come with it. Um, everyone, make sure you check out the Bedlam yeah. rivalry. It'll be the last time for like 30 years until Oklahoma State joins the Mission's falling by the wayside. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the student-athletes that aren't going to get a chance to um, – at the smaller schools that aren't going to get a chance to compete on the big stage because they got to make room for their uh, new conference foes on the schedule. Like, it looks cool and it's fun in like what-if games, but, you know, this has got to stop. Like yeah. – I get it. You want to win championships, but conference expansion does not equate winning championships. So it's got to stop at some point. So that's my two cents on the whole thing. Um, again, if you guys, all of you in the audience, if you'll just leave us a comment of anything you want us to hit on in the future. Uh, we'll get around to it and talk about that next time. But for now, we're going to move on to Game Balls presented by Fanatics right here on the College Football Dogs podcast. Hey, speaking of Phil Longo, 
Who's your first game ball to, Tony? Well, just so happens that my first game ball is to Coach Phil Longo of the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, bringing the forward pass to Madison, Wisconsin. What a concept. He gets my game ball. I mean, it's going to, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I mean, and then if they can figure out how to incorporate Braylon Allen in that uh, deal to uh, throw off the defense, it's, it's going to be ugly. So that's right. My game ball goes to Phil Longo. Tanner Morgan. Hey, listen, Tanner Mordecai should be considered a preseason dark horse Heisman. Um, and if he's not, everybody's wrong. Uh, do you think, is Phil Longo going to stick around, do you think? Because, I mean, I mean, I said it earlier. I'm shocked he's not a head coach. Like, do you think Wisconsin will find a way to, like, make him the highest-paid coordinator? Or do you think he's gone after this year? And where do you uh, think he ends up? I, I, think, they'll, I think they'll make a, an attempt to keep him for sure because that's what they need to do. However, um, depending on how they do this year, um, I mean, you know, somebody comes in with the right overture, and next thing you know, I think Wisconsin should enjoy it while it lasts because, honestly, you know, I like Zach Allen at Mississippi State. I don't think he's SEC head coach material, so I think the Bulldogs will cut him loose after uh, one year, the gap year after uh, Mike Leach, rest in peace. And I think they'll bring in Phil Longo because he runs sort of a similar style air raid, um, and he's already got SEC experience coaching for uh, the Rebels, their big rivals. So I hope people in Madison enjoy it while it lasts. He's not going to be a coordinator for much longer, so – that's a good game ball, though. I like that. Um, good stuff. Uh, Dominic, you got good, sir. All right. Got my game ball just like Tony does here. Uh, I'm handing it off literally to Drew Lar. We already talked on him. Again, he's got the NFL measurable 6'5", 230. He's got a strong offensive line coming back. He's got two very serviceable running backs behind that. And he's got at least serviceable wide receivers, if not a little bit unproven, as the two of them are transferring in from other programs. Um, but again, he's got all the tools. Go be great kid, prove everybody right or prove everybody wrong, depending on which side of the equation you're on. But, uh, that's who I'm handing the game ball to. That's a good stuff. And he's a, and he's a true sophomore this year. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Four, only four games, but he's yet to throw an interception, only 60 attempts, but Hey, it is a stat you can point to so far. All right. Cannot wait for draft season. Very big sophomore. Yeah, yeah. The <laughs> or are you going to be comparing me to Cam Newton? I'm, <laughs> I'm trademarking that, so can't wait for draft season with that kid. Um, I'm going to stick with the the Big Ten train. Obviously, I don't have a cool football like. Well, here, you know what? Uh, oh, we do have a football. Boom! I've got a baseball. <laughs> It's still a ball that you play a game with, so it counts. I'm giving my game ball to Mike Loxley, the head coach out of Maryland. Um, I know Maryland's not really been like playoff sleepers or anything, but he's been there a while since 2017-18, um, and he's kept them competitive. Like he's really built their brand up. Um, you've got athletes like Tuolia Tagovailoa going there to play under him. And, you know, he's got a lot of returning talent this year. I think this could be the first time that they actually break through and make some noise in the Big Ten competition. Twalia Tagovailoa, 67% completion last year and over 3,000 yards passing through the air. Not really up to, like, Trevor Lawrence stuff, but, hey, that's enough to keep you competitive. And he's got Roman Hemby 
It's spelled H-E-M-B-Y. I'm changing it to H-I-M-B-Y. Um, <laughs> Roman Hemby's coming back. He was about 11 yards short of 1,000, but he also has 298 receiving yards um, and 10, or excuse me, 11 total touchdowns. So I'm excited to see what they do. Mike Loxley, just a good recruiter, great guy. And I've also got to hand it to him because, and this is, well, we'll get to that in a second, uh, but he's done a good job at building his culture and getting his team together and getting it ready to make some noise this year. Um, but speaking of Maryland, we're going to go right into our penalty flags presented by Bones Coffee Company. And you'll see why after a quick word. <sighs> Boy, that's mediocre. Then what the f*** are you doing? I was drinking that. No, you were surviving it. Give excitement a try with Bones Coffee. Click on the link below to order some for yourself. Here. Whoa, whoa, is right. That substance you were sipping before is what we in the industry refer to as ass water. Sure, it technically has caffeine, but it bones coffee. We believe in the experience of waking up every morning, looking forward to that first tasty cup. That's why we roast carefully selected beans in small batches to perfection, so you can count on quality in every cup. And not only that, Bones has a ton of fabulous flavors. Y'all make sure to use the promo code DOGBONES when you go to BonesCoffee.com to get 10% off of your order. I personally recommend the French Toast Coffee. Um, I, I, Tony, I know... No, was it Dominic? One of y'all got it, right? Back me up here. I, I got the sampler back, yes. What was your favorite, good sir? Well, I haven't tried them all yet. French Toast was almost done today. I did the Holy Cannoli. Amazing. Nice. Uh, just a little bit of creamer because you don't want to affect that flavor too much. But the holy, first of all, it smells amazing. It tastes just as good. So I'd highly recommend the holy cannoli. I, I, I won't go against your French toast because I did get that one too. I just haven't had it yet. I back up uh, everything Dominic said about it smelling and tasting amazing a thousand percent. So y'all go check it out. Use dog bones to get 10% off your first order. Um, so the penalty flags, this is our segment, kind of the opposite of game balls where we just kind of just look at people, conferences, players that just be like what are you doing man you know and if my game ball goes to mike loxley it's also going to him because apparently he convinced tualia tagovailoa or maybe he did i don't know but if he had to recruit his own player to stay at maryland that's huge because evidently tualia and this is who i'm throwing my penalty flag to was offered uh, about six figures to leave Maryland and go join an SEC school. And I don't know if that school was like Florida, um, Alabama, trying to get some more Tagovailoa magic in there. But like whoever it was, man, what are you doing? Like what kind of – that doesn't help anything. Like what are you trying to say about yourself? What are you trying to say? Like it just – it's unnecessary just attention. It takes away from everything you've got going good this year for Maryland and your football program. But you want to be like, ooh, I was offered money to go play for the SEC. Okay, well, I was offered a job on Indy to go work at McDonald's. Nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> go do your job and win some big games, all right? Like we and now, like, if the SEC school that offered him gets found out, think of all the attention they're gonna get. Yep. Like it's just a mess. There's there was no reason for it. You shouldn't be talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. Credit to Mike Loxley, though, because if he had to, like, convince him, like, hey, uh, maybe don't do that, 
That's just another game ball for him. So that's my first, that's my penalty flag, gentlemen. There you go. Great one. I do agree. Just play through it. <laughs> yep. Do your talking on the field. Um, yeah. Mr. Thomas, what do you got for us, brother? Well, speaking of talking on the field, there was some smack talking on the field at Tiger Stadium during LSU's practice yesterday. Here we go. <laughs> to the put to the point where a fight broke out and punches were thrown. And it was a battle royale in uh, Death Valley yesterday uh, involving several players, including, it's being reported, uh, Harold Perkins, hmm. Malik Neighbors, Kyron Lacey, Denver Harris, and Major Burns. Uh, Kyron Lacey and uh, Malik Neighbors were unceremoniously uh, escorted to the locker room. Uh, Harold Perkins did not finish out the practice. And Brian Kelly, uh, blood pressure shot out at the top of his head because he was furious. And uh, he was uh, very uh, mad and angry at the players and also the coaches who let it escalate to the point where punches were thrown. So here's what I say about that. Now, in the grand scheme of things and in the heat of the moment in practice, you're trying to do well. I understand that. But you're, you know, fighting your own teammates. That's no, I, I, I don't. I don't, I don't like that. That shouldn't have happened. Uh, this is third down in Orlando, y'all. I mean, it's coming up fast, less than a month away to kick off. Uh, save that energy and uh, punching Florida State in the mouth on the football field and win that game. And, and let's, let's go with that. So my penalty flag goes to LSU and their fight at practice yesterday. I did not know Malik Neighbors was in that. Wow, that's what it was reported. Yes, are there other suspensions coming? Do you think? Uh, I haven't heard that that part of it yet. Uh, there's certainly could happen that way. Um, if you know, and I don't know how they do the cooling down period or whatever, but man, oh man, it was uh, from what I heard, it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty uh, brutal. Man, if you they know. That's a lot of star power too. Like that is a lot of star if they, power. If they all get like a one game suspension, guess who that game is going to be good? Against? Not going to be good at all. And it's just oh my God, most inopportune time for that kind of stuff to happen, and it's just unnecessary. Dominic, your thoughts? Well, speaking of suspension, I'll go with uh, my penalty flag being one that started out only as a suspension, but ended up with Northwestern's head coach Pat Fitzgerald being fired. Uh, we have a great article on college football dogs written by TJ Chapman and Brandon Biscobing. So definitely check that out for further details. Uh, but, you know, this one involves hazing, racism, allegations, uh, numerous staffers that had knowledge of these things happening and not just some typical over the summer or high school type hazing either. This is serious stuff. That was Grotesque, really, honestly, if you ask me, um, obviously you can go read more about it. I'm not going to talk about the details here, uh, but basically it was, a, it was a failure on multiple fronts. It was a failure by some of the players of the leadership for allowing it to happen continuously and certainly a failure on all the administration there, both coaching staff and otherwise, uh, for essentially knowing at least some aspects of this and not shutting it down completely. So they are getting my penalty flag and stuck with that Big Ten theme for that one. And the end result was they had to fire like the only coach that wanted to coach there. Yeah. Um, well, and a coach that some players actually still liked. Uh, you know, I'm sure he yeah. had some redeeming qualities. Doesn't make you the worst person in the world, but uh, oh, yeah. it also doesn't make you a great leader if you're going to allow that type of stuff to happen. So, agreed. Although the Ed Orgeron, you know, so to Northwestern. 
that little spat that popped up that yeah that'd be entertaining maybe that'll be a thing i don't know but yeah that could end in the same same thing you know i don't know yeah <laughs> tony going back to the fight i have like two sides to this whole thing like on one hand i'm like appalled and like oh my gosh but then on the other hand i'm like this is why i want a college version of hard knocks <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just saying. Like, could you imagine if they did it at Texas A&M mm. this year with Jimbo Fisher and Bobby oh. Petrino? Like, well, that would be perfect. That would be television money. gold right there for sure. I'd pay money for that. Yes. Oh man, absolutely. So, Dominic, who do you think takes over at Northwestern at the end of the year? Oh man, I believe we asked you this on our first on one of our on our hot seat special. But has your do you have an answer? Just off the top of your head. <sighs> Not off the top of my head, no. But maybe maybe Phil Longo takes it over and he he tries to move over successfully in the Big Ten. No, I was I'm just... literally about to be like, all right, that's so cool. That's cool. Phil Longo. <laughs> I'll, throw, I'll throw one out. Uh, how about Gary Patterson? Hey, that actually might work. It makes sense, which is why it won't happen. But, you know, yep. that's a good one. <laughs> we all don't go anywhere. It's getting late on the East Coast. But we do want to uh, bring on a couple of our guests with us here at College Football Dogs going to get a couple of recruiting updates for all of y'all big 10 related of course and a school update as well um and i'd like to start with one of the lead columnists from mike farrell sports mr kyle golick kyle can you hear me good sir i can hear you all mike and everything working perfect thank you for coming on brother we appreciate it it's good to have you back you were also on another one of our uh, earlier specials i do believe mm-hmm Yes, sir. So welcome back. So thank uh, you for having me again. Absolutely. You're a so you're our Penn State guy. Um, Dominic had some pretty high praise for the Nittany Lions going into this year. Um, he of course left out my my son, Olu Fashinu, but that's okay. <laughs> I forgave him. Uh, but do you have any more um insight onto that? And why should people maybe put more money on Penn State's chances to win it all this year? So if you were riding a New York subway today and you picked up the New York Post you'd find in there that they're proclaiming Drew Allar to be the future Heisman Trophy winner this season. Um, he's six foot five, 245. He put on 10 more pounds of muscle. Okay. So what? He, he is the first Penn State quarterback in my memory. To be that huge. To, no, we had some big ones. Remember, we had Michael Robinson. And remember That's they true. hit on Brandon Owens against Minnesota. So he's the first quarterback I have seen being able to make all the throws. Like everyone touted Christian Hackenberg. He had the five-star rating. Uh, you look at it and you go, what happened there? He just was missing something. And the big thing that Penn State's been missing in the Big Ten East race is when you look talent for talent at all levels – They've always been a quarterback short between Trace McSorley, who was like a very good plus college quarterback, and Clifford, who was a very good quarterback mm -hmm. at the college level. Sure. You know, when you're going against Ohio State, and look at the last decade since Braxton Miller, okay, they've had the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year at the quarterback position on a monopoly, whether it's been Braxton Miller, whether it's been – uh, JT Barrett, whether mm -hmm. it's been Justin Fields, whether it's been Dwayne Haskins, that position seems to have been there. And that's been the difference. And if you watch the Penn State-Ohio State game last year, Sean Clifford was the reason they lost the game. 
four turnovers and made uh, a, a pick six to their monster edge rusher. And I'm going to try to say this, JT Tui Malolau. Sure. Who's a five-star <laughs> from Washington. Good job, Kyle. Uh, <laughs> I try so hard. Yeah. Um, it, you know, what, what has me excited this year with Alar is he, he, he can hit and make any throw happen. It's his physical intangibles are there. If you just watch the mop-up duty, don't, if you're looking at the stats, there's not a lot of stats to go with it, but, if you look at the the action, you actually watch the throws that he was making. Clifford get, got happy feet last year, and he always tried to force throws, and he couldn't make like the throw that needed to be done. I don't. I think really this year, his question is, you know, Parker Washington left a year early to go to the NFL. I mm-hmm. think they're going to miss Brett and Strange at tight end a little bit. Um, they still got two great tight ends in uh, Tyler, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson. So I I really like the vertical weapons. And they, they, they did well in the transport portal, got Kent State's Dante Cephas in at Penn State. So, you know, I think, Matt, you saw firsthand last year the uh, curb stomping that happened at Jordan-Hare Stadium, courtesy All right, of thank you, Lions. Kyle, for coming on. It's, it's been an honor, man. So we'll catch you all next time. No, you're right. Um, I did see a lot of, I I did get. To did see you, the, did you okay. leave the stadium early? Were you just like, this is over? I'm booking out of here. So I I was actually watching it from a a bar called Walk Ons in downtown Chattanooga. Rest in peace. Um, they closed, but hence I said rest in peace. I have this policy. Uh, both me and my dad, we finish every game we start, no matter how good or bad it gets. So, um. So, you know, I'm I talked about, I had like, thank you, man. Pray for me. <laughs> I've, uh, I remember that hit Owen Papo did on Sean Clifford where he just like knocked his socks off. And, um, I, for a second there, I was like, oh yeah, oh, we've got them. We've got them right where we want them. And that was the last moment of joy I felt for the rest of the college football season. <laughs> 41 <laughs> points had... later. Yeah. It was um, the worst loss. Auburn had a Jordan hair since 1983, if I'm not mistaken. Oof. No, you're that's that's right. I had um I had the caretaker, the musical track of like the the guy losing his memory and he's just listening to sad jazz music or whatever. That was playing on my head um for the rest of the day, of the rest of the year actually. But so yeah, um, but if 13 returning starters, many of those I did get to watch last year. Um, as you said, Kyle. Um I'm not seeing enough love for Kalen King. I feel like on preseason um, All American. How how aren't you? He's rated the he's either rated the top cornerback, or he's behind Kool Aid McKinstry. He's the top graded cornerback by Pro Football Focus. What more love do you want from him? You see, that's why. See, that's why I'm not seeing enough of him because everyone's talking about uh, Kool Aid. Uh, just because of Alabama bias. I do think Kalen is a better cornerback, though, and I think he'll go higher at the end of the day um, because scouts love to scout the helmet first off. So I just – I think – okay, not getting enough love is the wrong thing to say. I should have said I, I need to see more of him and less of Kool-Aid because um, there is a debate uh, you, you know them, there's but... other football to watch than SEC. You know, I know you guys <laughs> – Yes, my favorite more. was Pac-12 after dark. Oh, oh man! Rest in peace, <laughs> Kyle. Is there um speaking of Penn State p- 
players, a lot of our fans are looking. Recruiting season's in full swing right now. Um, I mean, when is it not? But we've had a couple of big names go to Florida State and Auburn the past couple of weeks. I'm just wondering, is there anybody on Penn State's radar maybe we should write down, keep an eye on, any flips, anything coming in? What you got? So Penn State has a top 10 class right now rated by uh, 24-7. A lot of that's highlighted by uh, a quartet of recruits that are the top prospect in their states. Quentin Martin is the top athlete in Pennsylvania. He's number four at his position nationally. He should earn a fifth, a composite fifth star by 247. Uh, tight end Luke Reynolds is another Pat Fryer mute. He's at the number one prospect out of Connecticut and rated the number three tight end in the country. Uh, Liam Andrews, who is a big time tackle out of Massachusetts, is uh, a four star behemoth. Think of Francis um, Maui Goa, who was a, a, in a big recruiting battle last year with Miami and Alabama, but ended up going down to Miami. Uh, that was a big one. Uh, Josiah Brown is a wide receiver out of New York. He's a top prospect out of New York. Uh, six foot, 170, a pretty a pretty good monster. And, and, a, and a fifth guy to bring up is Donovan Harbor. He is the top offensive lineman out of Wisconsin. So that's a pretty good haul right now big for Penn man. State. They're in the top seven. I think the guy that if you're looking out of who who you who's a fast riser who may end up taking a similar path to to Alar during his recruiting cycle is a uh, quarterback e- Ethan Grunkmeyer from uh, Olentangy High School and I believe that's in Ohio again another Ohio kid that the Nittany Lions got a quarterback he's not as physically dominant as of a specimen as Alar is he's six two I think he's just under two hundred pounds. Uh, Given time, there's at least 30 pounds of muscle coming. But he did compete in the uh, elite quarterback recruiting camp and did very well in that camp. I think at one point, I think it was on three that had him rated at the top at, after one of the drills. I think he finished amongst those 12. And if you're in that, that's pretty good. I think the crystal ball alert for the Nittany Lions you need to keep an eye on is edge rusher Jalen Harvey. Right now, he's starting to become much warmer for Penn State. He is an edge rusher out of the DMV. So for those who don't know that acronym, District of Columbia, Maryland, Virginia, he's on the Maryland side. He's out of Gaithersburg, Maryland, uh, Quince Orchard High School. He is right now a four-star composite edge rusher. A lot of people are liking his upside. He's had USC, Tennessee, Florida on after him. Um, he's starting to take that uh, shot up. He It's in that same area where the Nittany Lions have another five-star uh, edge rusher that's currently on the roster, Danny Dennis Sutton, on there that's going to look pretty darn good, who's going to be learning from Chop Robinson. So hopefully to continue that pipeline of great edge rushers, look out for Harvey to be next for the Penn State recruiting class. You heard that here wow. first, folks. I yeah, never count out James Franklin on the recruiting trail. Dude, hey, I good. Yours truly said better recruiter than coach. So hopefully my Penn State <laughs> fans don't kill me on that one. You come out here in Chattanooga. I got an extra room for you. It's this one. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, what else you got for us, brother? Any extra points you want to take? So yeah, I'll take a few extra 
extra points. So Tony, go for two. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna probably probably smack a, some some of you guys around a little bit here. So <laughs> I think Tony, you know, he's been watching LSU football way too much, and he probably wants <laughs> to forget about the Wisconsin loss at Lambeau Field. But does he remember Russell Wilson, Monty Ball, Nick Toon, and how explosive that was? I think the question is why hadn't Paul Chris and probably why he got fired in October? He had a five-star quarterback in Graham Mertz, never got that to fruition. I think now, kudos with the game ball, I think that's happening. I think a guy you need to keep an eye on on the Big Ten circles in that from Wisconsin is Muma Jongmeta, who is the highest graded linebacker in the conference. Now, when you think about that, that it's a conference that has Abdul Carter out of Penn State and Tommy Eichenberger from uh, Ohio State. So he is really, really good, had 12 and a half tackles for loss, 95 tackles, five, I, I believe five sacks last year. He's going to probably take another big step up. Uh, Dominic, I got to ask you this question. So do yeah. you think Brian Ferentz is going to meet his designated performance objectives in the contract he had to sign prior, during this offseason? Uh, what are all those? I don't know if I know all those. Score points. <laughs> Score points. Yeah, absolutely. Put he numbers to, up. So it actually specifies a number in the contract. He must oh. – Iowa must average – 25 points a game. It's dumb. Just fire him. Like, yeah. And they must win seven games as well. And they're allowed to go to the bowl game six and six to, for him to get that seventh win. Now, keep this in mind. Last season, they were 123rd passing offense, 124th rushing. And they were 130th in first downs. You know, you know, Luke Lachey is the better tight end than Eric Alt. At Iowa, you know, Cade McNamara may help. They're going to be tricky. I don't think they're going to get the 25, and I think they're going to no. be firing for rents. No, but I will say this, that they haven't had a quarterback who's thrown over 60% in completion uh, percentage there. So Cade McNamara does that. Iowa? Do you, do you not, watch the Iowa offense? Just, they like just the defense I watched. Sets. Apparently, I mean, they like putting three tight end sets out there, and it's just like these quick three yard hitches, and he still can't hit them. So I, I don't believe McNamara. I think McNamara will be improved. I don't see him getting twenty five zero. That's no, my I don't. Prediction. No, I don't see that either. I don't see that. Um, either. I'm with Kyle all the way on this. Like, when they announced that, con it's the dumbest thing ever. Of course, your job is to score points. You're the offensive coordinator. That shouldn't have to be written in there. Like, nope. if. If you're dating someone and they cheat on you and you're like, oh, I'll forgive you, but you have to like, you know, don't talk to any other girl. Don't don't talk. Delete your those numbers. You know, don't. Go, no, break up with them. They should know not to yeah. do that out, out of the gate. Like it's the dumbest contract in the world. So and the, yeah, and the last Kyle. and the last point I'll I'll have is on the expansion. So as you it. look at as the Big Ten sign that crazy media deal with three major networks, Fox, CBS, and NBC. What do they need to ensure the that they can keep those contracts in six or seven years, so in 2030 when they renew? They need to have inventory. They're not done expanding. It, when, when the news last year happened of USC and UCLA coming to the Big Ten, I was the first person to say, well, I was one of the first people I should say. I don't want to be that narcissistic. Um, 
where's Oregon and Washington? Because that was part of Kevin Warren's plan before he left to become an executive of the Chicago Bears. He wanted those four schools. I think the Big Ten was anticipating to get through this contract and poach those two. When everything fell apart, it just unfortunately accelerated the plan. They got to 18. The number that I have in my mind that the Big Ten needs to get to to have its model work sustainably on the three networks, they need to get to 24 teams. Because if you can have wow. eight, if you can have eight in a three 18 pods, and each of those pods have a network, that makes sense. So they're going to be aggressive. I'm I'm feeling that Florida State's going to be a 50-50. I think the SEC is going to be willing to let Florida, uh, let Miami go to the Big Ten to keep Florida State in the portfolio. I think Clemson will also remain in the SEC. I, I think the battles are going to be in the North Carolina with uh, North Carolina and Duke and Virginia and Virginia Tech. I, I think they, they want to add states. I think the Big Ten is going to take the Virginia schools. And I think mm. the SEC is going to get the North Carolina schools. Uh, I see the Big Ten completing their expansion with, and it could go a litany of directions. And I, I don't think Notre Dame at this point will join. So I'm going to see, I, I like Boston College because that's that, if you're into marketing, the boss wash uh, megalopolis that stretches from D.C. to Boston, get that end cap to do that. I think you're going to eventually see Stanford and Cal get there. I think I wouldn't be surprised if the classic pack eight is reinvented where Oregon state and Washington state gets in there. But I think you're going to see over, over the next decade, it's going to, you're going to see the ACC disappear. It's going to be a power three. I I think the SEC will sit at 20 because I think with their model with ESPN, I think they only want certain brands. I think they're going to get Florida state Clemson and the North Carolina schools. And I feel with that, you're going to have a, both sides have their advantage, strategic advantages. All those, all those ACC diehards saying stuff like, "Oh, well, at least we've got the basketball schools, Duke and North Carolina." You, you highly underestimate the other conferences' desire to get more involved in basketball. So, good point, Kyle. Um, that was good. Uh, and one more thing, I, I, I promise, I'm going to put a prediction out here. I don't think I'm updating my hat this year. So I will maintain my 1986 national championship hat for at least another year. Okay. So what's the win loss? One of two things are going to happen. They either go 11 and one and they end up in a new year six bowl, Mm -hmm. or they do the James Franklin special 10 and two. They'll lose. (laughs) They'll split Michigan and Ohio state. Then they'll lose to someone that they're not supposed to. So Indiana, uh, not Indiana. Illinois, which is a Iowa. 11. Iowa's another one because that just, they always seem to get up for Penn State, but the Illinois one scares me the most. You, you know, it's 11 a.m. kickoff in Champaign, which is like, if you've ever watched Franklin teams, they tend to be slow starters, but have a nice finishing kick. But what I also like about Illinois is I really like their defensive line. Uh, Jazan Newton is as good as anyone. Keith Randolph and Seth Coleman off the edge are fantastic. And Tavon Nicholson looks like he's just as good as Devin Witherspoon. And they have a burner at wide receiver in Isaiah Williams. So I'm saying Penn State's going to do one of those two things, but I'm not updating my hat. So this hat will again be my 
<laughs> that soundboard was a mistake. All right. Well, you heard it here. Either 11 and 1 or 10 and 2. Um, Kyle, my friend, where can people find you, follow you for more great content? So you're going to have, there's three places now. So number one, you got Mike Farrell Sports, latest articles out. I, I apparently, I'm just going to say it, I pissed off the Michigan State crowd because I, I, I have an article about fake gems and I have Mel Tucker with two poodles on the side. So they're not happy right Legendary. now. Legendary. I, I cannot escape that. So you can read that. You can also read my five key takeaways from the Oregon-Washington expansion. You can read me here at College Football Dogs. I think my next article coming up is a breakdown on the Penn State defense. And a little teaser, we will have a podcast called Classic Bones. I will be yes. tagged up with Scott Solomon, who, if, you, if, you, if the name doesn't ring a bell, he was on, he was on, he worked for the USA Today, Miami Herald for years, covered the U, covered Florida State under Bobby Bowden. And we're going to talk classic topics once a week. We got a few episodes already mapped out. We got uh, a couple, a couple guests that are, that are there. So, you know, stay tuned for, for that. Yes. Nice. I'm super excited for that. Oh, I'm awesome. watching that. Uh, Kyle, um, you have a Twitter handle, correct? At K Golic FB. So if I'm getting impaled right now, cause I, I think the USC fans are, are leaving me alone now after going after their precious <laughs> coach Lincoln Riley. Now I'm getting it from the state of Michigan. So, We'll see. All right. Well, if you need a place to hide, I got a room here in chat. So, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on, brother. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for having me. Man, I love it. That that man just breathes. But he was born on a football field. He's got to look at any notes. That was just all in his head. Yeah, all off the top of his head. He's 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 got an encyclopedia of knowledge. Yeah. Oh. I wonder who that could be. No one knows. We're gonna. Colin, what? Uh, No. All right. Well, thank you, Kyle, for coming on. We're going to move right along. Um, So our next guest is a president, not of the United States, but a little better. He also has an annoying theme song that he has to play every time he plays. Yes, Hunter Dorsky, our very own president and founder of College Football Dogs, and he's a Trojan fan. I know they're still in the but not for long, so he's here with us tonight. Doing good, Hunter. How are you? Good, good. Just uh, building this along. Uh, I'm glad that we have Kyle, and soon you're going to hear from Tim Bailey, who's part of the College Football Dogs world now. Uh, so what was Kyle, what was he talking about when he said that Trojan fans were coming after him? Yeah, what did he say about yeah. Lincoln? I think here's the problem with USC fans is a lot of them are, uh, they're very sensitive. They're not as sensitive as Notre Dame fans, but they're sensitive. Uh, <laughs> and we're very protective of, of, of two people. It's Pete Carroll and, and Lincoln Riley right now, who uh, those two coaches have had the most success uh, in the last 30 years at, at USC football, especially with our 11 and two uh, uh, or 11 and three, I'm sorry, 11 and three uh, season uh, last year. Speaking of, the upcoming season for Trojan football. Um, I believe we've got the schedule around here somewhere. What's your thoughts on the upcoming season, Hunter? Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to do a, a breakdown of – I broke down some games uh, for you. So week zero, um, USC is playing uh, San Jose State. Uh, I have San Jose State losing that game 55-10. to 10. 
Uh, look, I think USC has uh, really developed on both sides of the ball over the uh, over the offseason uh, with the additions of, you know, Bear Alexander from Georgia. Um, they have some uh, you have an excellent Mason Cobb from Oklahoma State, who was a, a excellent linebacker uh, from the Big 12. Uh, so I really think uh, on both sides of the ball as well as meaning that on the offense, they've even brought in some great uh, offensive linemen to help protect Caleb Williams. Um, but I, I think the Trojans roll in week zero. Uh, going into uh, week one, uh, I, again, 38 to 10, I have uh, USC being Nevada. I, I think, uh, again, the first six games this year uh, are going to be pretty uh, simple and clear. Um, the, you know, I actually think Caleb will probably be, you know, out of the game by the, by the, by the third quarter in some of these. Cause if you, as we go through the schedule, um, it, it intensifies, you know, there, and you'll yes. see that here in a minute. Uh, kind they of go a, on a good little warm up session, looks like, um, all throughout September by week yes. and week two already. Wow, that's yeah, cool. we're we're already in week two, so so you're they're playing Stanford again. Stanford's very weak, um, compared to the yeah. former Stanford teams of Andrew Luck, uh, and and some of the great players that we all know. Uh, I think USC is going to actually blow them out pretty handily, it's 60 to 13. Uh, it's it, you know, it's at the Coliseum, um, you know, meeting some USC staff living here in LA. Um, it looks like a lot of the games are going to be sold out this year. Um, so it's going to be a packed house. The Coliseum kind of sort of like it was in, uh, in the early two thousands when Pete Carroll was there. Um, I actually expect in week four, um, Arizona state, it's going to be a little bit of a closer game. It's in Tempe, uh, Arizona, weird things happen as Kyle would say in Arizona and Arizona, you're in the desert. Uh, and they always manage to play USC pretty tough. Um, so I, I do think USC pulls out a win uh, and Tempe 41-21. Um, another game that I think is going to actually be closer than what people think is Colorado. Um, you know, you got Deion Sanders there. Uh, you, you have his son, uh, Travis Hunter. Uh, so, you know, I again, I think it's a good matchup. But, again, I think the big difference maker is Caleb Williams making those couple thirds to get them past Colorado. Uh, you know, it's in Boulder as well. It's going to be a packed house. I believe the game is probably already sold out. So uh, keep an eye on that game. I think it'll be very, very close. Um, yep. We go into week six. Uh, okay. Again, they roll 41-17. And as I, as I said in the beginning, USC has a very, very good chance of just going straight up 6-0 and then going right into my favorite game, Notre Dame versus USC. Yes, I think Notre Dame. Um, now, go now, ahead. This is where it gets interesting for me because I'm looking at the schedule right here. Correct. Um, it's nothing but warm-ups, it feels like. Yes. Um, although I like, I agree with what you said. Arizona State and Colorado could be closer. Yeah. Um, yeah. But having to play – Number 13, Notre Dame. I, I think that's their coach's poll preseason ranking. Yeah. Followed by Utah, who beat y'all twice. And then a little break there with some team called California. But then having to go back to Washington and at Oregon. It's a brutal stretch. And UCLA. And, and you, Pac-12. Sorry. So, so, no, 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 so you're good. So here, here's what I'll tell you about the Notre Dame game. Um, and I, I again... You know, a lot of Notre Dame fans are going to be like, you asshole, you know, you're a USC fan. So it's not, you know, it's played in South Bend. And yes. I'll be honest with you, I've been to a game at South Bend, Indiana. And I've been I've been to a USC Notre Dame game in South Bend. It is not 
comparable. It's not that loud. It's it, it's. I think people get so caught up with the emotions of being Notre Dame football and 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 Rudy and 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 there's a little bit of a push there. So I don't think that's going to be much of a factor. What I think is going to be a bigger factor is in order to beat USC. And I took some notes here. You have to score at least 43 points on USC, and that's last year. I don't think Notre Dame has the offensive power to score 43 points on USC and especially the current defense that they have. Even with Sam Hartman. Even with Sam Hartman. I also think he, things factor in. Sam Hartman played for Wake Forest. Did he go out and beat Clemson? Yes, but we all know Notre Dame beat blew out Clemson. Clemson was not the special team that people thought they were going to be last year. Another factor I will – throw out there is that USC is 14 and five when they have a, a Heisman trophy winner on their roster against Notre Dame. And in fact, when a USC player that won the Heisman returns, they're undefeated as well. USC is. So the, the stats are with USC in this game. I think USC is way better, you know, defensively than they were last year. Uh, I think it'll be a very close game in the first, second quarter. Um, but, you know, one thing is, is Sam Hartman going to be healthy going into South Bend? Um, that's the question uh, that I think was more on my mind. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 35-42 win uh, or, 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 you know, it was closer than, than what people think. Um, but, no, I, I think USC actually rolls here um, in, in South Bend. It's not. It's actually not be, one of the games I'm worried about. That could be the game if it's a blowout. That could be the game that gets uh, Marcus Freeman fired. Uh, and I agree, and that could, this could also be the potentially the game for the first the first football player to win back to back Heisman's in since Archie Griffin. Um, you know, if, as we go through these games, Caleb has an opportunity to do that. So absolutely, um, but then you got to so roll go, right out of Notre out of South Bend straight to Utah. Yeah, straight to you so we number. go right to Utah. We got right to Utah. Um, again, number. I think it's I think it's gonna be a close game, but I do not think Utah can. Uh, you know, will will again. I think what the issue of college football, and 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 I think I was talking to Kyle when we were when we were post production of this, is it's so hard to predict games like we used to, because the transfer portal wasn't really no. much of a factor back in you know, twenty years from now. Sure. People do not understand that USC's entire defense. I think there's only like two or three returning players out of the entire defense, and everybody else is new transfers. And that's also on the offensive side. Dorian Singer, they brought in from, from Arizona. He was probably the best wide receiver last year in the Pac-12. They're bringing all these guys in. So the USC offense and defense is going to be very, very different. Um, so I do have USC winning 35-17. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is not there, so he's not gentlemen, a threat. You gentlemen, know. if uh, Utah beats USC for the third time in a row, what do we want to make Hunter do? Ooh, that's a great <laughs> question. Great question. And why does it make him wear Utah gear the weekend? No, no, that'll never happen. Memorizing uh, no. <laughs> jersey. Memorizing. So, yes, so I do have a I do have a surprise for week nine. I I actually think USC um, pulls out on a tough one. Look, they just they went to Notre Dame, South Bend. They go they play Utah, which is going to be a very physical game. Cal always plays us well. Um, so I have USC winning 35-28. Um, it, I think, uh, with the Washington game being the following week, it could be that trap game that I, that I really think could happen. Um, mm. 
you know, I, I, I will tell you the way Lincoln Riley runs things at USC. Um, the, the culture is, it's, you know, he doesn't let the players, okay, let, let's all focus on Utah because they beat us, you know, two times in a row. Um, so I think this would be more of a trap game um, than anything. Uh, as we go into week 10, as we're at the end of the season, I think the USC wins over Washington. The reason I say that it's at the Coliseum again, if it was, if it was up in Washington, I would, I would give a slight edge to, to the Huskies here. Um, but I, I actually think that it will be uh, again, USC's defense. I think a lot of people are underestimating USC's defense this year. Um, the defensive line is excellent. Um, and, and they are very, very fast. Um, so what I will also go into is week 11, which is going to be very, very interesting as you guys say, Hey, you go into Eugene. Is this the game that USC loses? I, I had a hard time with this game. Um, but I, I actually think season he's gotten better. Yeah, every year. I, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you that I think I, I <laughs> there we go. Tim Bailey show. I think for, uh, for me, Oregon is not as good as what people I, – I, again, they went to Oregon State. They lost that game. Uh, Washington beat them in, in Eugene. I think USC goes there. Again, I think people are, are underestimating USC's defense. Um, I actually think Alex Grinch is actually a very good football coach, um, and I think he probably saves his jobs uh, his job this year. Uh, and then we're going over to the UCLA. Sorry, Colin, 55-21 USC – rolls over the Bruins. You have a, a new quarterback. That guy is no longer there. Freshman quarterback comes in there. I, I don't I don't think uh uh that game's gonna be close as again it's in the Coliseum uh and historically UCLA fans don't do not exist. Um so and then my Pac 12 championship which will shock some people here is USC will play Oregon State. I actually am a big Jesus. Oregon State fan. Finally Oregon State Oregon State, uh, great fans, great football program. They have a quarterback. They did very, very well with recruiting, uh, and they and they looked very good last year. Now they have a great quarterback. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Oregon State made it to the to the Pac-12 championship game. But again, there's a mismatch there. USC is is a top tier program right now, um, and I think people saw it last year. So I have uh, USC. Uh, winning 48-10 to 10 in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, and again, this will shock some people here. This is my playoff pick officially for the, for the preseason. Number one, obviously, if USC goes undefeated, I think they'll probably be at number one, right? Uh, number two, I have LSU. Number three, I have Ohio State. And at number four, I have the Oklahoma Seniors. Yes! I think Oklahoma is going to shock some people this year. I don't know if that's because I've been hanging out with Tim Bailey way too much. Hunter, you need but, to keep drinking before you But I will tell you this. Look, here's what I'm going to tell you. I think we've had Sarkeesian before. Texas is overrated. And they've always been overrated. And Steve Sarkeesian is overrated. I don't think Texas is going to be a one-loss you know, one team this year. I think you're going to have three or four losses. Um, you look at UCF again, they have Gus Malzahn, not the greatest coach of all time. There, uh, did a terrible job over there at Auburn. Uh, hey now, <laughs> now wait just a so, second. So, so, you know, re election maybe, time, maybe that's you know, potential. TCU's kind of you know, they lost Max Duggan, he's not there anymore. Oklahoma State, hey, 
they're going to be they're going to be good. But I just think that Oklahoma has the right guy there right now. I think Venables can get them to the next level. I have Oklahoma getting in there at the number four spot, leaving out Michigan, Alabama, Florida State, and Georgia. Um, and you know that's that's what all I have uh, for USC football. So I think they go undefeated this year. Um, you know, when I talk to people at the program, a lot of the players um, and, and coaching staff uh, live around me and some even live in my building and and the and what they tell me when i'm sitting in the elevator i'm like hey how was practice or hey you know what do you they really believe as one person told me that this is the best usc football team since 2004 um they really believe this is the team to do it um and and the feeling around campus is the expectation is at least the the college football playoff uh anything less would be a disappointment I agree. Um, it's hard to argue with their championship chances. I've actually got them ranked number one in my preseason poll. Um, I would argue that a 10 and two USC that wins the Pac 12 with Caleb Williams on their roster would make the number four spot anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're going to learn a lot about what kind of uh, team we've really got um, down yeah. in California when we get to that Utah, Washington, Oregon stretch. Yes. Um, but very good predictions. Um, Y'all let us know in the comments why Hunter is wrong. Um, Since you're connected, good sir, with all the coaches and everything, I have to ask, is there a recruiting update that you have? Well, obviously, Dakota Fields flipping from from uh, from USC to Oregon was a a hurt. Uh, You know, again, uh, uh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. But here's the only Bruin fan, y'all. Here's what I'll tell you is is when these things happen, there's always there's always a bunch of movement. So, you know, there's backup plans with the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will tell you is uh, I'm not uh, I, I don't think there's concern there because, listen, it's what is it? It's August 8th. A lot of things can change. I mean, look what happened with Dylan Riola. I mean, he he committed and he did committed. I'm not even sure if Dylan's fully going to be committed to Georgia by the, when it's all said and done. You, you he just moved don't know. to Georgia. You know, he, and you just don't know. And and, uh, and again, money talks. Money talks. And he changed uh, high schools. And he changed yeah, money talks. So, um, and then I also, you know, uh, Chris Cole, who's a linebacker from uh, Salem, Virginia, uh, right now that he's in a recruiting battle with a bunch of other SEC schools. He's uh, the number th- – 53 overall um, uh, player, I believe, according to 24-7 Sports. And mm-hmm. uh, he's a linebacker. He's six foot four. Healthy. USC is going after him, and I believe USC is going to get him. Uh, I think the NIL play is going to play a huge role in that. But um, with Eric Gentry, he was another linebacker at USC. He's about six foot four, too. I have met Eric before. He's huge. He and when he's sitting in the, and when he's a linebacker, he's he's it, it looks like Michael Jordan's there. He's got to be about six foot five. It don't make any sense. He's really long and uh, and he was I believe he was a freshman last year. So um, they're going to have a really good linebacker core. I know Lincoln really wants to focus on the defense with the recruiting. Alex has done an amazing job so far, especially with the Lincoln Riley offensive oriented uh, football program. Um, but, you know, as I told you guys before, I think Lincoln brought, um, uh, uh, God, what is the football coach from Arizona? I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Kevin Sumlin. No, no, no. Arizona Cardinals. Oh, oh man. Oh, oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. He, he brought Cliff in to run the offense. And I think Lincoln is going to be doing more of a head coaching thing where he has his coordinators 
focus on the defense. I'm a, I'm going to overlook the offense and the defense rather than Lincoln just completely focusing on USC's offense. I remember watching the games and being up close on the sidelines, watching Lincoln. You know, you know the the series is over. He's over. You know, with his paper and he's talking to Caleb and and he's not watching anything that happens on the field. If you look at Nick Saban and you look at Pete Carroll and you look at uh, some of the, you know, Tommy Tuberville, these guys were focused on what was going on in the field. They weren't kind of hyper-focusing on one thing or the other. Right. Uh, and that's what makes a great head football coach. And I think that's what Lincoln is. And, I, and again, that's a maturity thing. Lincoln's 38 years old. You know, he, you know, he wants to be on the offense, but at some point you got to be the head football coach and make sure all things are balanced. Hunter, who's the backup to uh, Caleb Williams? Miller Moss. Miller Moss is a great, probably the best backup quarterback in college football. Um, I believe he's, I believe he's from the, he's from Los Angeles area, actually. Um, he, he, he did very, very well uh, in the uh, spring game. Uh, and then our third backup, which would be Malachi Nelson. He was the number one overall uh, football player last yeah, year to, to you know to, yeah to, uh, quarterback uh, he did all right loaded he, so, yes yeah. um, I, I think when it's all said and done Malachi will probably be the backup quarterback next year um, when we play LSU if Caleb Williams decides to forego his senior year which actually you know according to my sources is not completely set and done of him going to the NFL so um, you know that will be interesting if it happens I doubt it that he would stay another year. Um, but he you know, does, again, Drake may owes him a, a fat check. Um, yeah. Cause he's automatically quarterback. One. And I will tell you this guys. I mean, USC is very different team, man. They got Marshawn Lloyd from the sec. He was one of the top running backs in the sec at, at from South Carolina. He hails from Wilmington, Delaware, uh, which is where I'm from. He looked awesome. Looked like a Lendell white type of guy. Be, don't be surprised and don't underestimate this USC football program. Hunter, where can people find you, follow you, and all that good stuff? Uh, I don't even know my own Twitter handle because I really <laughs> don't care. Uh, there's, you know, but you, but you could always follow us on www.collegefootballdogs.com. And if you ever need me, just talk to the guy that's coming on next. <laughs> yes, awesome. Appreciate all it, Hunter. Right, you guys, so appreciate much. it. Thanks, Hunter. Thanks, Hunter. I want my own walk-up music. And it's not even going to be a college football song. Roar, I'm gonna... Eagle. There I no go, longer want is. my own uh, walk-up <laughs> <laughs> No, give me that Country Roads one. The uh, Mountaineers one. Um, inside joke. Y'all wouldn't get it. Perfect. Well, we're just... Off the field right now. Out. He's <laughs> what are you trying to say, Hunter? Um... <laughs> All right. Well, we've got one more guest for all of y'all. Um, I'm excited that he's joined the Dog Sports Media Network. Um, he's going to have his own show coming up, which we'll preview in just a second. Um, please welcome Mr. Tim Bailey to the College Football Dogs podcast. Mr. Bailey, can you hear me? I can hear you. How's it going? It's going good. He gets walk-up music. I'm filing a lawsuit or something. I, I need... This is ridiculous. I don't even have my own. All right. And he's got his fancy background. I mean, I know, he's right? Years ahead of us. He's got a little cartoon right there. It's like he's going to have a show or something later. This is actually UCLA football in the background here. But you're not even. Oh, so are you one of those mythical UCLA fans? I thought you were a Sooner, good sir. <laughs> I I am not. Um, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, so I'm part of that cult. Um, but I mean, 
as much as I love my Sooners, uh, I cover and just love college football. And, you know, for me, it's about the game as a whole and not necessarily, uh, you know, just Oklahoma. So uh, always been uh, pretty leveled in that sense and uh, like to, you know, cover the cover the sport nationally. So, yeah. Uh, and we're glad to have you here, Tim. We're looking forward to what you do for us in the future. Those of you that don't know, though, our own Mr. Bailey put out a list of his Top 10 coaches entering the 2023 season, not all time, just going into this year, correct? I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's going into, you know, it's right now, right now. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you that didn't see it, this is his list. You've got Nick Saban at number one. You got Dabo coming up at number two. Okay. You got Kirby at number three. Again, folks, this is going into this year. Jim Harbaugh, back to back Big Ten champion at four. Okay, Brian Kelly didn't win anything except 10 games at five. Lincoln Riley at six. Ryan Day at seven. Kyle Whittingham, appreciate you giving him some respect, good sir. At number eight, Chris Kleiman at nine and Josh Heupel at 10. Confusing is the word I found when I first saw it. Um, I'm not going to get into how I would have ordered it. I would just like to hear your thoughts. Why? No disrespect to Nick Saban. I've had to watch the man up close and personal for the past decade, but He's lost back-to-back. Um, he hasn't been to the national championship game in two years. Or, excuse me, hasn't won it in two years. Um, he had the number one overall pick at offense last year and on defense last year. Still couldn't even make the playoff. And if you look at what Hugh Freeze has done on the recruiting trail, he's starting to slip a little bit. And it looks like he's already got his retirement home in Jupiter, Florida. I'm confused, good sir. Why is Nick at number one for okay. you this year? And Kirby Smart... The heir apparent, all the way at number three. So, um, I guess when I look at when I'm saying current, I'm not just looking at two years. If you looked at the last two years only, perhaps you could make the you you, you would make the argument for Kirby Smart for the last two years. Dominic was um, so mad he left. I just. <laughs> But, uh, I mean, the reality is Nick Saban's at the top of this hill. I mean, the way he's recruiting, he has the best roster in the country every year. Um, he continues to get new coordinators, and it doesn't make much of a difference. Last year, they missed the college football playoff, and while it's true, um, they lost a couple of extremely close games on the road against very good opponents, and Bryce Young wasn't healthy all year. And uh, he makes a big difference for that team. I don't think he was at 100% when they played LSU. Uh, I think 100% Bryce Young. They probably get through that game. Tony, um, your the Tennessee game. Yeah. Um, you know, Bryce did make a great play. I mean, to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and you got you do have to credit LSU for uh, you know getting it to overtime and winning it there. So I'm not trying to take anything away from LSU, but um, you know, Alabama's had a little bit of bad luck, which is you know you could argue it's a little karma. I mean, in in some sense, because you know to start his run at Alabama, Nick had quite a bit of luck i mean you know the first national championship when colt mccoy got hurt and you know getting the benefit of the doubt a couple of times over some teams that maybe were more deserving like in 2011 or 2012 or ohio state being banned from bowl games because players traded their own championship apparel mm -hmm. for tattoos because the ncaa is in all their knowing wisdom um you know so there, there's been some luck for Saban, and so I'm not trying to dismiss what Kirby's done. I think he's done a great job, and he's built a great program. Uh, but Nick Saban, I mean, he has seven national championships, and every time you guys start talking a little smack about him, he just wins three more of them. So stop. Stop doing it. Stop it. I, <laughs> well, I mean, that's, 
That's okay. fair, but I mean, I want you, I, I want to point out though the um yeah. the reports coming out of training camp in Tuscaloosa doesn't sound good this year. I mean, they really wanted. I'll I'll be honest. When Twali Tagovailoa said he was offered money, my first thought was Alabama, but they were looking at everybody in the portal, and they wound up with Tommy Buckner, the guy that threw four interceptions against South Carolina, uh, just to play under Tommy Reese, who is like Saban's fourth choice for offensive coordinator, and he's only got his fourth choice for defensive coordinator in Kevin Steele. He kicked the tires on Jeremy Pruitt, but I guess he didn't want to get caught yet, so... Um, <laughs> I just so, I, don't, um, I don't like the way it looks for Bama this year, and so you can give him the benefit of the doubt for all the things that you said because he is a good, a phenomenal recruiter and a good coach. I but. will I will add that I think even though Tommy Reese isn't necessarily the choice that you know most people would make, I mean I would have loved mm. to seen him maybe go get like a a Cliff Kingsbury. I do like I do like uh, Ty Simpson. I think and Jalen Milrow. They have a little bit of different skill sets. There's some inconsistency mm-hmm. there because they're young. Um, Tyler Bruckner brings some experience, and he wasn't as bad last year as some people think, though he was very inconsistent uh, at Notre Dame for sure. Um, but really, oh, Alabama should be getting back to, you know, the Alabama teams prior to um, 2015, you know, the ones that right. run the ball, they're downhill, and they have the running backs and the offensive linemen to do that. I think that, um, you know, sometimes getting back to the basics is, is the way to go. And, you know, you look at the Alabama defense, they've got Dallas, you know, Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid McKinstry. So they're going to be really good on defense. Um, sure. And then offensively, I don't think they have to be – I don't think they have to do the Tua thing where they got to score 45 to win, though I think they'll do that plenty. Um, you know, I don't know – I don't know that I would say they'd have a dynamic quarterback. Maybe it's a Coker-type situation where the guy kind of starts out slow and warms sure. up as the year goes on. Yeah. Um, but it's really not that long ago that Alabama was competing for national championships with, you know, suboptimal quarterback. Like, I know what we see Jalen Hurts as now, but Jalen Hurts wasn't that at Alabama. Right. Um, and certainly nor was A.J. McCarron or, Blake you Sims. know, Greg McElroy. And we're going a little base Former back running now. back. Yes. So I, uh, I, I, I just think that his overall resume, it's just hard to beat. And also – you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, they played Georgia in the national championship. Right. Rematch of the SEC championship where Nick Saban absolutely took him behind the woodshed. Uh, Kirby Smart's one and four against Alabama. And that's a pretty big asterisk considering the best player probably on the field against Georgia's defense got hurt on the third series when he already had 66 receiving yards in the game. I'm not saying that they win any. They probably do. Just, just, just throwing it out there. That's a good point. Um, one more thing I did want to ask you about, if we could bring that list back up real quick. Um, yeah. So, sure, Nick at number one, I'll buy it for one more year, I guess. But if he doesn't win anything, it's time to start looking at a retirement homes. Buddy. He's eleven and two that, last year. I mean, he's not. He's not. That's a off. bad year at Alabama, man. <laughs> I'd love for that to be a bad year for Auburn. Come on, but the last time he went eleven so, and two, the next year they won the national championship. Just saying. Oh, don't remind me. Um, so you got, I'm curious here, you've got Dabo Swinney at number two. The longer um, his time at Clemson goes, the more he reminds me of Jimbo Fisher. He just had some really good quarterbacks, and the rest is just, you know, good recruiting and maybe a good pro, good culture, but that that's it. But you've got Kirby Smart at three, though. And, I mean, if it's yeah. me, I'm putting him at one. You lose a boatload of draft picks the first time you win the national title uh, with Stetson Bennett, the 40-year-old mailman at quarterback. And then you just turn around and you just do it all over again. And he's lost a boatload of draft picks again. 15 last year. Um, He's fired. I don't say anything negative about Kirby Smart. I think he's awesome. 
Uh, I think he's done a great Georgia. I think he inherited a program that was that had a good culture and was heading in the right direction. Um, you know, from Mark Rick, who you know, he there's a lot of memes about him, but there's no question that they had a good football program. What Dabo Sweeney did is almost impossible to do in college football. He took a program that was quite frankly completely irrelevant to any scene in college football. The only scene that it mattered in was the state of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, he took over a program that was that fired a coach and became an interim. They weren't even sure what they cared about with football. They gave him a shot. Sure. He he he, uh, he had a couple of lackluster years, started to recruit a few good players in a good spot, and he built something that is pretty impossible to do. And I think as a whole, you know, you look at what Dabo's done and you look at what Kirby's done. I mean, if you just chop away what Dabo's done for his entirety of his career, you know, I, I don't hate the Kirby smart over Dabo Sweeney. But, you know, Dabo's went to more playoff games. Uh, he's played in more national championships. Um, he's had more guys sitting at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um, he has more, you know, and it's a little bit about the link, but he has more wins. Um, just everything that Kirby has done is not something that Dabo hasn't. The only one he did that he didn't do was back-to-back. But Dabo has two himself. So it's just hard for me to put smart over, over Dabo, considering Dabo just has – you know, he has more in, he has more in the tank. And, yeah, the last two years have been lackluster, I mean, for what Clemson's been. But they've won the last two years. They've won 21 games. It's not like they've just started to stink or anything like that. Uh, they just won the ACC championship. Um, and, quite frankly, uh, they could they could go back and do that again. I mean, I really like Cade Klubnik. Uh, yeah. You mentioned quarterback play. It's a big part in college football. Um, you know, Georgia loses theirs. I'm not sure – that they're necessarily downgrading in Carson Beck. I think Carson Beck's more talented than, than Stetson. Um, but they ma- they lost uh, Todd Munkin, and I'm sorry, that's that's a brutal loss for them. Yeah. I mean, what he was able to do with with the personnel at quarterback is phenomenal. And uh, Mike Lobo hasn't had like a top 80 offense in a decade. So yeah. I'm not really sure what happened there. You're Georgia. You know, you have the brand that you have. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, you know, while Georgia just scraped somebody up, you know, from from upstairs in the analyst booth who has proven to be pretty mediocre, can he do? He goes out and gets the hottest name in Garrett Riley and has him as as his offensive coordinator. I mean, and part of that, you know, is the CEO and the building of your program and the culture. Let's not get started on that because I'll just say it's not close in that yeah. regard either. I think that's fair to say. Anybody that's been paying attention to what's happening in Athens over this offseason yeah, and what we already know is happening in Clemson, that's not a close um, race there. Uh, Clemson's culture is much more buttoned up than what you see at Georgia. So Georgia's a great football program. They're going to continue to win games. They're going to continue to do well. And Kirby may not be done winning national championships. And certainly if he does more to surpass Dab, I don't mind moving him up. But I just don't think that he's done enough to supplant what – Dabo's done already. That, that's all it is. I think that's more the debate. I think the Nick Saban yeah. stuff, you're just being a silly boy. Nick Saban is the best coach in college football. It's not close. Shortest segment ever. Y'all get ready to say no. Just... <laughs> uh, Dabo the certainly did have... Go ahead. Yeah, the other guy I wanted to mention on the list, uh, Chris Kleiman. Uh, yes. People just don't know. This guy is a four-time national championship <clears throat> head coach. He is arguably the greatest FCS coach in the history of college football. 
Um, he just took Kansas State, which I know Bill Snyder made things look a little easy at Kansas State. It is not easy to win at Kansas State. Yeah. You don't get the same players that even this Kansas has better player can get better players more often than Kansas State can. You know, from the from what you would see from the high school recruiting rankings, what Kansas to win at Kansas State, you have to be a great developmental program. You have to have a really, really good eye for talent and snipe some people. And now they're starting to recruit four and five star, you know, not five star players, but they've recruited some four star guys. They got a quarterback uh, who's going to his redshirt sophomore year, Jake Rubley, um, kid from a kid from the state of Kansas. He was a high four star in the last cycle. Um, I really like what he's doing there. Um, and then I think the only other weirdness on the list is, you know, I think that five, six, seven, you can kind of move them around a little bit. And I think you kind of end up in the same spot. The big reason why I dropped Lincoln, because uh, I used to have him up around three or four. Well, you know, with the way Kirby Smart's done, he definitely has leaped him. Um, and what Brian Kelly has done has been impressive. And Lincoln did an impressive job last year at USC, no matter what people want to say. Um, <laughs> but, uh, was, you know, Lincoln won 11 games bow. in a program that stunk. Um, but Brian Kelly inherited a really bad situation at LSU. Yes. Um, you know, they had a lot of roster movement. Um, you know, people are excusing Brent Venable's poor performance at Oklahoma for almost the exact same scenario. And yet, you know, with a little bit of luck and a little bit of heart, they managed to somehow win that, you know, SEC West Division. And I think that counts for something. And that's after, uh, you know, getting Notre Dame to two playoff bursts. And then they finished fifth and 11 and one before he left last year. So um, now if you ask um, and then Ryan Day's, yeah, I think yeah, they're, they're all those those three guys are all kind of, you know, they're interchangeable. Um, Lincoln Riley keeps blowing double digit leads with Heisman quarterbacks. I think that's one of, that's why I put him the last out of those three, but I think that tier could be moved around. Sure. And going back to Brian Kelly, like with the mess that he inherited now, like just a year later after winning the West, he's LSU is now the favorite in most, uh, columns to win it again going into this year. So good stuff. Um, Tim, I couldn't help but notice behind you, you've got, um, something that says the Tim Bailey show. So, uh, yeah, just yeah, you, you to tell us about that. Yeah, this is a new show for yeah. those of you who don't know coming out here on the Dog Sports Media Network. It's one of our flagships. I'm super excited about it. Tim, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing this year? What you're looking for? Yeah. So, uh, the first thing is our schedule is going to be uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We're going to go nine to 12 Eastern time, um, in the morning, a.m. <laughs> nice. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a couple recorded shows a week. We're going to talk about college football. We're going to get some guests on. Uh, we have some plans to interview so far two Heisman Trophy winners. Um, we're going to be traveling on Friday to go to different games around the country. And on Fridays, uh, I'm going to go live from, uh, you know, from, you know, either somewhere in the area or games. We're still working on some stuff with, with some of our, uh, you know, friends at different schools, but uh, we're going to be working on getting some live shows going uh, out in those areas. So I uh, already have a few places picked out. Uh, week one, right now, the plan in week one is to go to uh, down to Orlando to see LSU and uh, Florida State again. There we go. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um I, sorry, Tony. I think Florida State is going to win that game, uh, but uh, you know it should be fun. LSU, fun comes and, uh, LSU comes away from the unhappiest place on earth with a win. 
Oh man. Oh, man. I don't know, yeah, man. Brutal. I, don't know. <laughs> I like Get Jordan Travis a lot better than I like uh, right Jaden Daniels. He's fired. <laughs> we got to take that sound oh, away. <laughs> no, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, going through this experience, and I definitely hope you guys, uh, you know, follow along with me as we, you know, do the traveling. My wife might, you know, murder me, so you never know when it's going to end. Um, so. You know, stick around as uh, as much as you can, and uh, cannot absolutely cannot wait to do this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, man, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we're super happy that you're here. Um, we'll have to bring you back, but uh, in the meantime, Tim, until that kicks off, y'all don't forget Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Ah, uh, starting August twenty first. There you go. In the meantime, y'all write that date down, and while you wait for it to come around, Tim, where can people find you, follow you, get more of your good stuff? Yeah. So on uh, on Twitter uh, at Real Tim Bailey and at Tim Bailey Show on Twitter um, on Facebook the Tim Bailey Show and of course the best college football group on any social platform College Football Frenzy definitely come join our group um, it's a blast and uh, you know we got the most interactions the most posts and we're a private group too so we're a big group. We're, we have a lot of interactions. We're a private group. We're not a public group. We don't do bots. We don't do any of that stuff that I've seen some of the other groups do. Just legitimate interaction. Uh, I think it's the best on any social platform, and it's been that way for a couple of years now. So um, awesome. come join us. You'll enjoy it. Yes, sir. Awesome. Tim, appreciate it, brother. Thank you so Thanks, much Tim. for coming on. We'll talk Thanks, to sir. you later. Awesome. But we're going to wrap things up here in a second. But first, a quick word, again, from our friends over at Bones Coffee Company. What's the difference between these two identical cups of coffee? Everything. Everything. Boring, basic coffee is leaving you dead inside. Thank the Dark Lord, there's Bones Coffee. Small batch, full-bodied coffee infused with the most mind-melting flavors in the world. Or underworld. Oh, I've had flavored coffee. Oh, I've had the coffee before. You haven't had sh- Welcome to the highly caffeinated, slightly wicked, and immortally delicious world of bones. Yeah, and just once again, y'all, use the promo code DOGBOS to get 10% off your first order. And in the meantime, thank you all so much for tuning in and joining us tonight all over the East Coast, the West Coast. Be sure to leave us a comment of something you would like for us to talk about next time in the mailbag. Please like us, follow us, give us a subscription if you're on YouTube. Tony, you got anything else for me, brother? No, man, just ready for the season to start. We've got less than a month. Absolutely. 18, 17 days, something like that. Um, Man, I'm for sure. I'm going to be grilling all sorts of food. I'm, I've already got my first Saturday blocked off, so don't <laughs> call me. Don't text me. I'm watching nothing but football. So Exactly. It's going to be a good year, y'all. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in again. I'm Matt Redding. You can follow me at The Barning Man on Twitter and also right here on collegefootballdogs.com. Tony, where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Tony Thomas CFD. Uh, I'm on Facebook, and you can follow me on collegefootballdogs.com. And Dominic is also on collegefootballdogs.com, but you can also find him at the Sunbelt Syndicate. I think the Michigan fans finally found his house, so that's why he had to bow out. But we'll catch up with him later. Um, again, I'm Matt. That's Tony. We'll see you all next time. War Eagle. Well, I guess if this thing comes up short, he can field it and run it out. All right, here we go. In this game, every second counts. From first down to fourth down. 
and every play in between, turning mere seconds into monumental moments. And now it's a total scramble, emergency mode for the unbeaten home. And not just the moments in season, but also in practices, the locker rooms, recruiting sagas, all the hard work it takes to get to moments like this. Hennon Hooker can't take a sack. Double clutches, throws. It is caught. Do they get the timeout? Or this one. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. And not just the moments of today, but of yesterday. Fourth and five, the national championship on the line right here. To the corner, he's got it. And of the next generation. And with just 6 million seconds left until the first kickoff, the first touchdown, the first win, there's only one question. Are you ready for moments like this? Or this? With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. If you are, then join us here in the doghouse. Not these dogs. We're the next innovation of sports journalism. We're not here for the clickbaits, the advertisements, the likes, the bullcrap. We're here for the game, the moments for your conference, your team, your traditions, your Tigers, your Trojans, your Volunteers, your Bulldogs, your Horn Frogs, underdogs, and everything in between. But more importantly, we're here for the moments, every last second. Because deep down, from the fans to the field, we've all got that dog in us. College football dogs. By the fans, 